Good morning, Sherry. Good morning, Melissa. It's always so fun to see you on Friday morning. Yes. Happy Friday. It's great. I love it. We both have our tea. We do. We're tea. I had a little snack. We're Talk good to, to go. We've discussed our snacks before we started recording. So yeah. important. Yeah. And what type of non-dairy milk we prefer. Mm-hmm. What's been going on in your world? Well, I was looking forward to talking about this book with you today because it's actually been relevant to things that have been going on in my world. Oh, so yeah, we talked about reading this book called Being Seen by Elsa Hunison, but it's S-J-U-N-N-E-S-O-N, Hunison. I did hear her pronounce it because I listened to the audio version. Oh, yeah. I haven't actually seen the physical book or any of the words. I've only listened to it and Elsa narrated it. She read it. She did a great job. I have listened Mm. to a gazillion audiobooks. And I have to say that I thought she did a fantastic job narrating it. Oh, cool. I bet she would. You know, there was a lot of emotion in her words. So Mm. it just made it interesting. It wasn't monotonous, you know, it's like some people I listen to. And it's like, eh, I think maybe I should have had somebody else read it. But she did a great job. So Yeah, she's talking about her life. So yeah, I can recommend the audio book as well. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's important to have options for different senses. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) different sensory loss. Yeah, Which is relevant because the author is a deafblind woman. Yeah. She's a professor and a researcher. And she talks about... Author. She's an author. An author. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think she writes like... Science fiction. Science fiction books. Mm -hmm, Now mm -hmm. I like really want to check those out. Yeah, I think she's gotten like a Hugo Award. I know because yeah. I, I love science fiction. It's one of my most oh. uh, genres. I listen to a lot of science fiction. So yeah, yeah. She makes recommendations for other science fiction authors, and I underline yeah. those because this book being seen that we, we just read deals a lot with her experiences of ableism or the bias or prejudice against people with disabilities, and then yeah, and how it's impacted her life, and also how. She sees it in the media. She experiences it through the media in different ways. She's 35 for me, you know, because I'm 55. I am coming from a different generation. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I could maybe cry through this because it really affected me Mm -hmm. because I've been raised and grown up in a world that all I did was try to fit in and not be disabled and hopefully I won't. We'll see. I might. <laughs> I think that <laughs> but crying it really, is allowed. Yeah, I think so. Right. But there were some deep, deep, deep hurts inside of me that I didn't even know about because wow. I literally never even heard the word ableism. I'm in this world, a different type of world. You know, I'm the only one who's, I guess I can say the word disabled. I am disabled. Mm -hmm. And it's also, it's like, there's so much shame around it. I just loved how she's addressing it straight on, like people. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've grown up watching all these movies and TV shows. And I mean, she she talks about Helen Keller. And I listened to Helen Keller's autobiography Mm -hmm. a few years back. And 
how she was portrayed and who she actually was, was two complete different things. Completely different. Yeah. And Elsa is talking about how she's like the standard for what people think of as somebody who's deaf blind. And it's not mm-hmm. the case. It's just like you and I, we're deaf blind. You're the deaf. If we put us together, we're partially. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Partially. Yeah. Cause I don't, yeah. She talks about that. She can see certain things if she gets close enough or at the right light and she can hear partially. Yes. So she wears hearing aids and she uses a white cane. She uses her adaptive technology and then. She can pass in different ways. I believe she also had a guide dog for a while as well. Mm -hmm. And she lives in New York City, which I grew up in a little teeny tiny town in the middle middle of nowhere. Okay, so I can't imagine (laughs) navigating New York City. I would need assistance. It's just so insane, crowded. I couldn't, Uh, no, yeah. yeah. Mm -mm. Well, I was thinking about the small town versus New York City thing in a different way, because there's so much more acceptance of diversity in big cities. Exactly. So there's the navigating physically and there's the navigating emotionally and socially. It's totally different. Apples and oranges, really. I mean, that is part of the reason I moved away from a small city was (laughs) partially the anonymity of being in a a larger population. but. It really hit some deep wounds within me that I didn't even 100% realize were there. Do you want to say what the wounds are? What you came on? I realized, I mean, I've listened to this book a couple of weeks ago. We all know now that my brain doesn't work. Yeah. Well, you can talk about the feelings feelings of it. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember exactly, you know, every details of everything, but I just can remember how it made me feel. And it made me feel angry. I felt like this extreme anger. (laughs) Yeah. And it was almost overwhelming for me. I did have to stop listening here and there because, Mm -hmm. and she does talk about that, about how this is maybe going to be hard to, to listen to, you know, or read for some people. And so I think that the anger was just really almost overwhelming me. I would listen to it. And as I would listen, I would just feel my insides going into knots, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's like, oh my gosh, I Mm -hmm. can't believe that I have been subjected to this. Even I'm 55, but I've been dealing with it since I was 19. It's just everywhere. Now that I know about ableism, it's just freaking everywhere. And it's not only for the deaf and blind, it's for all mental illnesses. It's just frustrating. Yeah. If we are only surrounded by people who are operating from a place of like being centered in a body that has no disability and no what a functioning body is supposed to be, if we're mm-hmm. only surrounded by that, then any issues that come up related to disability is just our problem. Yeah. And she talks about that she's struggled with seeing things that way off and on or experiencing things that way off and on, but that she's just like, fuck that. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. I love how the courage, because she's faced the same exact kind of things, you know, where not labeling herself as deafblind because she can see mm-hmm. and she can hear, but we can't navigate the world. 
I can't go walk out into the world and have any idea what any signs say anywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. unless I get within, you know, a couple of feet of something and then it has to be super huge print, you know, so navigating the world without being able to see signs, I guess it'd be, I could, it's like when I went to Europe and I didn't speak the language and the signs are in another language. Yeah. You have no idea where you are, what's going on because you can't read the signs. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying like going into New York City by myself, I couldn't do it. Yeah. You would be functionally blind. Yeah. It wouldn't matter whether I had a white cane or not. I would need a person because I would not be able to navigate. I really grapple with how I identify. I don't identify as deaf. I'm not deaf. And technically, if you can use an you can use a hearing aid and then be able to understand speech and have usable hearing with hearing aids, then you're not deaf. You're hard of hearing. So then how what's the difference between is there a certain particular number? So it's actually there's two different things that's actually really important about deafness. So there's deaf with a lowercase d, which is mm-hmm. what what I'm talking about right now is what the federal government considers deaf with a lowercase d that you can't hear. And that is if you can use hearing aids and you're hearing above a certain level of decibels or you can hear below a certain level of decibels, then according to the government, you're not deaf, you're hard of hearing. But then there's capital D deaf, which if you're integrating yourself, regardless of your level of hearing, if you have some hearing, if you don't have perfect hearing and you're integrating yourself into the deaf community and speaking sign language and owning that identity, then you can call yourself capital D deaf, like culturally deaf. Okay. Those two things are overlapping, but they're different. Yeah, that can be confusing. Yeah, that can be confusing. I guess lowercase d deaf is somebody on the outside is kind of telling you if your audiogram, your hearing test looks like this or worse, then that you're deaf. That's like the institution, the powers that be are like. So it's like being legally deaf. <laughs> or it's legally, kind of like being <laughs> kind of, legal, yeah. and legally blind. That's where... Yeah. The same kind of thing happens, but there's so many different variations of so many vision. variations. You know, people have many different types of vision, which renders them, you know, in certain situations, you're blind. And then in other situations, you know, I can see my surroundings right now. I, I have it all set up and I can see. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can't navigate the world without us, you know. But I'm considered legally blind by the standards of, like you say, the government, that my vision is not correctable Mm -hmm. beyond 2200. So my vision is 2200 out of one eye. And so that's considered legally blind. They can't correct it. Mm -hmm. But I can still see. Mm -hmm. I've reached the point now where I can't read books anymore. I can see large print, large, large print. And I can see small print with enough magnification, but I can't read for more than a little tiny bit, something that's mm-hmm. small and I have to magnify or just anything in general because it wears my brain out. It's I can't do it. It just exa- I can't. exhausting. Yeah. So I'm not able to, I did over the years, it was a progressive thing. So mm-hmm. I slowly went from regular print to having to 
read large print books. And then I remember when the very first digital book came out, it was called a Sony. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the name. It was a Sony reader. That's what it was, the Sony reader. And I remember my husband found out about it and he got me one and there was hardly any books for it. You know, this is yeah. the very, very beginning. Wow. I don't even think they exist anymore, Sony reader, but they were the very first ones. You know, I got super excited about that because I could make the print even bigger than large uh-huh. print books and I could adjust how dark and light and all that. So I was just thrilled at that time. I remember I was in a book club and I just remember taking it and showing everybody and how excited I was. Oh, yeah. Because life changing. It was life changing. Like I was slowly not able to read the books in the book club, you know, and then slowly I lost the ability to read. I can read it on the digital books, like the Kindles and things like that. I can read it, but mm-hmm. I can only read for, a, you know, 15 minutes. Okay. I was the type of person that used to read an entire paperback book in one day all my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had books everywhere. So it's kind of frustrating for me sometimes. It's like, I want to be able to take Elsa's book and pick it up and go back and forth and look back and see, and yeah, you know, yeah. reference or maybe highlight stuff or whatever. And mm-hmm. yeah, anyway, the audio book doesn't, it's much more difficult to like, I don't know how you, yeah, it's you can't mark passages. I mean, they have like, yeah, they have like book mark clip things. And oh stuff yeah. Like that. But I can't, I don't know. I mean, I'm listening along to a book. You have I to don't, stop. And, I don't yeah. stop and click and bookmark it. And then I don't, I don't, I'm not good at it. Yeah. Um, but there's some things that stuck out to me. And she's talking about riding on the subway and she has her white cane with her. Yeah. And she's reading a book that triggered something in me because mm-hmm. I have this feeling of if I have a white cane, I'm not allowed to see anything. Correct. Yeah. So that's where. I just don't know where to go with that. You know what I mean? It's like, I, she is so, it, I wish I was more courageous because she really is. I'm, I'm, I know she said she didn't want to be inspirational. It's not that she's inspirational to me, but it's just that I admire the courage to just go out there with your white cane and people, you know, fuck off because <laughs> yes, I still have vision. And yes, I can actually sit here and read because it's like, for me, I feel like if I have my white cane and I look at my phone, oh, oh, this is the Mm -hmm. shit. Okay. This is the shit that came up. There's so much anger here. Okay. Okay. I remember there's a few things and she's talking about media. She's talking about things that we see on TV because really that has shaped our world. All of us, we're subjected to media everywhere, right? Yeah. Okay. So there's a few things. The first one I want to talk about is I don't know where I saw this or how I saw this because it may be way back at the beginning of Facebook. And I mean, I don't know how many years ago and I got on there. I don't do any social media anymore. It's just, it's not, I can't see it. So, but anyway, I saw people were reposting this picture of Mm -hmm. this man standing on the sidewalk with a white cane Mm -hmm. and he's looking at his phone. And the caption under the picture was, a miracle has happened um, on whatever. It's a miracle because he's mm-hmm. obviously in the world, they think if somebody has a white cane, they should not be able to look at their phone because they can't see anything. And that's not the case. It's like, okay, so that one I remember just stuck with me and God. I didn't forget it and it changed me. Because I thought I'm not using my white cane. Because oh my god! And you know that, what I mean? And it that people, me. 
And let people feel the need to to repost that. it over and over again, repost it and repost it. I know, oh, right? Can't just it's, make infi- sound. it's infuriating. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then another thing that happens to me. So when I go to any type of a function where there's somebody up on a stage, like if I want to go see a comedian or just anything, okay? If I'm more than a few feet from the stage, mm-hmm. even like my kids' college graduations, high school graduations, the only way for me to be able to see them is if I use a binoculars or mm-hmm. a monocular, which is like, I have one little mm-hmm. thing that magnifies, but here's something that really killed me. So years ago, we always watched the Ellen show. I loved the Ellen show so yeah. much. Yeah. So funny. The kids and I, you know, they'd get home from school and we'd always watch Ellen together, you know, just, I adored her. And I still do. It's not like I don't know. So you know how she has, she shows the audience and the people dancing, you know, at the yes. beginning of the show <laughs> and all, everybody or people singing along or whatever and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the next day, the next show. And, and she's specifically points out this woman in the audience that was using binoculars hmm. and she made fun of her. Oh. And she said, Boy, I don't really, something about, you know, I would have to do that because even though the auditorium that she's in isn't that big, it's still too far for me. I would have to use my binoculars to be able to actually see her face, the expressions that she's making or just anything that's going on. Uh It devastated me that she pointed out specifically, Mm. pointed out this woman using binoculars. Mm. I don't remember what she said. Something just making fun of her, you know, mm-hmm. like laughing at it. And you know what bugged me so much? I actually sent an email to the Ellen show. Good. I never write a response, but I sent an email saying, listen, here's why she had to use binoculars. Mm-hmm. And I really wish they would have addressed it, but they never did. But that would have been so great, wouldn't it? If they had... Uh, yeah. I mean, there's just, it seems like there's an assumption that everyone in the audience sees the same way and everyone experiences the world through their senses the same way. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody's using binoculars, it's because they want to see me like really up close or something. Like, right. Exactly. Like, or do you want to see every pore on my face or what? Yeah, That's like what she was saying, making fun of that. Yeah. It's just this baseline assumption, like almost that blindness and deafness doesn't exist unless you see it in this like cartoonish version. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Those are really terrible, damaging things to put out in the media. That's the media. Those are two little things that I've seen. I mean, Elsa's got a whole, (laughs) an entire huge amount. She did a lot of research on it and she did a Mm -hmm. great job with it. And then just in my personal life with friends, not knowing, and I never say anything because I know they're not intentionally trying to hurt me. Mm -hmm. But so many of my friends and family say things that, just a dagger through my heart. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, she even addresses this, like, well, how come if you can see, like, I'm always, you know, I, I lost the ability to drive in my early forties. So I have to have people drive me everywhere. And when I'm in the car with people, I will sometimes see things they don't see because mm. I have no idea how this happens. Mm-hmm. I, I really truly don't because I don't know if it's when people are driving, they're not hundred percent paying attention. Yeah. And I am like hyper aware of my surroundings at all times. 
because I need to be sure I'm not running into anything. I'm make sure I'm not tripping over anything that I'm not, you know, so I'm super hyper aware of everything around me all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when I'm in a car with somebody, I'll be look out for that. I have several times Mm -hmm. had friends say, I don't think you're really blind. Mm -hmm. So many times. It's like, you see things that I don't even see. And then I try to just laugh about it and joke and say, I don't know how I do it, but I truly am visually impaired. Truly. You have to feel like you have to prove something. All the time. I still doubt yourself. Do you know too that my family and friends have seen me go through 11 eye surgeries? They've seen me have an eye removed. They've seen like before I had my eye removed. So Elsa talks about she's was born with like a, some type of a cataract. Yeah. So her one eye is obviously blind. Yeah. You can see it. Cloudy. Yes. I used my eye used to look like that, the one that I had to have removed. I also talked about that as well in her book about how people questioning her blindness or questioning questioning her deafness. And it's just like, why do I have to prove to you? Why would I make it up? This is the question. Yeah. I'm so glad that you reminded me that we were reading this book yesterday because mm-hmm. before the before you reminded me, I was in a place of self-doubt about my hearing. I think it's because there are actually a few ableist, I guess, oddest. Oddest is oppression against hard of hearing and deaf people or centering hearing people. So there are a few oddest things that happened in my life last week. And I found myself, nobody was like directly questioning me at all, like my heart of hearingness. But for some reason, I, I do this like every few months, like I got my audiogram out, like my hearing test results out. And then I just started Googling, like how much hearing loss do I have to have to be considered deaf or to be considered hard of hearing? And because my very lowest frequencies are in the normal to mild hearing loss range, but then it drops precipitously to profound hearing loss in the middle and high frequencies. And that I started thinking like, well, maybe everyone has that. And I was like, well, maybe nobody can hear any of those things. There's some reason like I got into this little, like, am I really hard of hearing? Like, why do I think I'm hard of hearing? Like, why do I think I need hearing aids? Like, why do I think I... There's something about, and nothing happened where people were like directly questioning that, but several events happened in a row where things were just gave me the message, like, I don't belong in this setting because of being hard of hearing. They went to a workshop last weekend. It was a like therapy workshop and Mm -hmm. I knew it was going to be hard. I knew it was going to be tired. We were wearing masks. And one of the practices that we had to do is to get in pairs and to do like reflective listening. So one person says, I'm feeling tired and irritable and glad to be here. And then the other person repeats it. And so I was like, just sort of responding to my partner by saying like, oh, it seems like you're having a rough morning or because I can't repeat the words verbatim. Ah. <laughs> and the facilitator came over, even though I announced at the beginning, I was like, I'm hard of hearing. I'm going to miss things. It's the math one. I did announce that. Yay! Um, thank you. <laughs> the facilitator came over and said, you didn't repeat back what she said. And I was like, you want me to repeat it verbatim? And she said, yeah. And I was like, that's a hearing test. <laughs> oh, like, 
froze and I was like, sorry. Like, and then my partner was like, I didn't really feel supported when you didn't repeat exactly what I said. <laughs> I was like, uh, get me out of here. <laughs> oh my God. I'm seriously, I'm speechless right now. That, that's infuriating. Nobody was like, oh, you're not really hard of it. But for some reason, like that put me into this little spiral of like, I should be able to do it. Why can't I do it? Maybe I have normal hearing. There's some little mind fuck. That That's a 100% mind fuck, right? Yeah. That's yeah. why you're questioning it. Because you fucking announced it at the, you announced it. Like, I did what, announce it. What more does somebody need to, I mean, I've announced yeah. that I'm hard of hearing. Mm-hmm. And now you're, I can't. People don't listen. I'm sorry. Yeah. And there's and that's, <laughs> it's no wonder you felt that way. It's no wonder. Like I maybe mean, I maybe I'm not harder of hearing. Yes, you are they, for fuck's they, sake. But they're all behaving as though I'm not. And I told them I am, so I probably am not. And then from there, I did talk to the facilitator and I was like, I don't know if I can do this workshop. I can't do this. Like I got a sick in my hearing test. You know, if I'm, if I can't see the person's face because they're wearing a mask or it's covered, I don't get a good grade on that test. (laughs) Right. And so that's triggering, right? That's triggering. They had good intentions, of course, but they, two facilitators, one of them announced that whoever's partnered with Melissa next time, you need to be really loud. (laughs) And so then we went to get in partners the next time. And of course, like everybody goes into a clump in the corner of the room opposite me. (laughs) Melissa, this is killing me right now. I know we're laughing about it, but this is. Make me so, so mad and crazy inside. I'm in shock, to be honest. I'm so sorry that they treated you that way. Thank you. And. I mean, I stayed, I did have a partner. It went fine. Like we think I was like, I'm not going to repeat it verbatim. I'm going to ask you again, what did you say? And I might not repeat it verbatim. And they were like, that's fine. And we figured out a way and you don't have to yell, but maybe we can just like go to this spot over here where that's away from all the people. So it's yes. quieter. It was fine. But I mean, it was hard. I was tired, but must have been exhausting. And then also, like you say, it's like you're questioning me. So then I question, which is absurd. Why would I be making this shit up? I mean, right. why would I purposefully make my life a thousand times more difficult? Right. <laughs> yeah. Just, just for the hell of it. Yeah. And then I just, you know, truly that you're having to deal now with people wearing masks. Yeah. I don't have hearing loss and I can't figure out half the time what people are saying with their masks on. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't even be an, I don't know how it's even an option for you to even function in this world of everybody wearing masks. Yeah. Well, it was very good timing because then the chapter, when you were like, oh, we're going to read that book and talk about it. The next chapter that was, that I had, hadn't gotten to yet was the one on but basically being ourselves and like 15, we have always thrived in the castle, defying ableism to become yourself. That's what okay. it was. that was the next chapter I was on when you texted me. Because <laughs> I was just in this funk where I was like, I don't want 
to deal with humans. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. I don't think I'll ever want to deal with humans except for Sherry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not entirely human. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) And then this was the next chapter. Oh, that's me. That's my, the universe always has your back. Yeah. Uh, Spidey sense. Spidey sense. But what did you take from that chapter that really gave you some peace of mind, maybe, or validation? Maybe you got some validation from it? Yeah. One thing I underlined was I started to break away from the ableist systems that had asked me to define myself in contrast to able bodies and started to only think about what I could do within the context of my own self. Ooh, that's a good one. Good one. Also, there's something to the fact that one must be a little bit unpleasant in order to defy society so boldly. Sharp edges keep us alive. To make living in an ableist world bearable, it helps to find your rough edge and accept it as important. I have so much emotion around that Mm -hmm. because it's like this. I don't know if we've talked about this before. My personality is shy. I've overcome a lot of it over the years, but I mean, I was painfully shy as a child. And, and, um, And I've had to, you know, as you grow up and you have to overcome some of that just to function in the world. Right. But also be kind, be polite. I mean, I'm always thinking, well, I need to, you know, also being, you know, empathic. All of these things create a person who just melts into the background as best Mm, as they can. Yeah. Right. So then you've got an Elsa who's starting to realize, you know, I can't do that because it's detrimental to our mental health, just our health. Yeah. And it makes me wonder sometimes. Maybe some of my health problems have come because I have just put it all, yeah. Mm, Like disconnecting from our own selves, Mm -hmm. our real self. Mm -hmm. Because we have to be sharp. We have to be sharp. Like, you know, when somebody says something or does something that is hurtful to me Mm -hmm. and I just brush it off or I you know, joyfully or humor, use humor. I use whatever I can to not make the other person. I thought it was interesting to our last podcast. So many things we were talking about. She was talking about it in her book. I mean, all of the things like women, I mean, it's not all just women, but you know, we're not allowed to be angry. And it's like, guess what? I'm fucking pissed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm really pissed. Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't want to cut you off. Is there anything else that Mm-mm. you wanted to say that helped you, maybe validated you? Just uh, like she's just so centered in her own reality. Yeah. Because I was starting to leave my reality. Like getting out the audiogram, like that's a bad sign for me. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, I'm like, sure. I need to see it again because... Otherwise, there's no objective evidence or something I'm like, yeah, because there's no sign on my face that I don't know. <laughs> right. It's like you or I, we have to take it in. And it's just who we are. 
I mean, we can't question our abilities. Just like you say, you try to navigate the world for us is exhausting. I mean, so our well, brain, our brains yeah. are like, <laughs> yeah. It, well, for me, I think trying to navigate the hearing world is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have like a couple new hard of hearing friends I mentioned who they've mm-hmm. both been super busy. So I haven't seen them in a while with um, mm-hmm. this middle of school and stuff like that. But even though we're using sign language, which is a language that I don't really know very well, and there's a dip, that's a different kind of tiring, I'm not exhausted after I hang out with them. Wow. I feel like myself and I feel energized. And it's like um, the opposite you get energy versus yeah. getting exhausted. Yeah. So there, well, there you go. It's and the, because yeah. you're trying to navigate the hearing world. So did you want to do some breathing before we end? Are you up for that or what do you want I'm to do? I'm up for it. I'm up for it. Let's okay. It. Well, allowing your body to find a posture that's as comfortable as possible. And just taking a moment to notice the sensation of your feet on the floor, body in the chair. And turning the attention to the quality of the breath. Noticing if the breath is full or shallow, if it's expansive or if it's small. And noticing where the breath is most prominent, whether that's the rise and fall of the belly, the rise and fall of the chest, or the inflow and outflow of air at the tips of the nostrils. Sensing into the breath a little deeper. Noticing sensations of warmth, sensations of cool. Noticing the movement, any colors, textures, any emotion to the breath. Turning the attention to the area in the middle of the chest, right underneath the breastbone, where the heart is, and deliberately breathing in to the heart. Softening the heart with each inhale and letting go completely with each exhale. Bathing the heart and breath. Making sure to breathe into the back of the heart as well. 
that no part of the heart is neglected. I'm taking two more full, deep breaths, however it feels right. Thanking yourself for showing up for yourself right now. And when you're ready, allowing the eyes to gently open if they've been closed or bringing, bringing the senses back into this moment, into the room that you're in, the chair you're sitting in. Here we are. Thank you very much. That was wonderful. I yeah. was just thinking before we sign off, what we need to do is get other people, to, able people, able-bodied people to read this book. <laughs> How do we get that to happen? Well, I guess we can mention it to <laughs> our able-bodied friends yeah, and family. Yeah. It would be, I don't know, just nice, I think, for mm-hmm. just to get a little insight to look at things differently. Yeah, definitely recommend people read that book. Well, I enjoyed it. And until next time. Until next time. Bye. Bye.